Welcome to this JNMP podcast. In this edition, we're going to be looking at HIV and MS. And I'm Harriet Vickers, and joining me in the studio in BMA House is Julian Gold, who's a professor in the Department of Neuroscience and Trauma at Queen Mary's at the University of London, and is also a senior staff specialist at the Albion Centre, Prince of Wales Hospital in Sydney. So bridging the gaps there between infectious disease and neurology. So welcome, Julian. Good to have you here. Thank you very much. So to kick us off, tell me about this initial case of um, a patient who had MS and HIV and and how this started you on this path of looking at this association, how you became involved with it in the first place. Well, I've been an infectious disease physician looking after people with HIV now for almost 30 years and I had really never seen a case of multiple sclerosis in any of my patients. Uh, Initially, I felt that was because most people with HIV would die of uh, HIV-related conditions before they would develop MS or their MS would be confused with HIV. Um, This case uh, came to my attention a number of years ago, and it was a young man who was diagnosed with very severe MS. He'd had a number of relapses in the first and second year of his diagnosis. His prognosis was not very good. And he then became infected with HIV. And while his HIV remained stable, his MS continued to progress. After a number of years, his HIV then uh, activated, his viral load went up, a CD4 count went down, and we started to treat his HIV with the antiretroviral drugs we had at the time. And over a period of time, we noticed that his MS um, virtually stopped, so that over the last 15 years or so that he's been managed, while he's been taking his HIV drugs, he really had no relapses or progression of his MS. We wrote this case in the literature and realised that, in fact, uh, despite the fact that uh, there are well well over 750,000 peer-reviewed papers in HIV and over 250,000 peer-reviewed papers in multiple sclerosis, there'd never been a case yet described of a patient with both HIV and multiple sclerosis that had been treated with HIV antiretroviral drugs. Mm. So it's a very tantalising case. And is that still true when you published this paper, that there was nothing else in the literature, or has anything been published in the meantime? No, there's really nothing been published specifically on this. Following publication of that case, I did have a number of inquiries. I presented uh, some data at various places and, and became interested in the, in the feedback that I was getting that some of the most um, experienced HIV neurologists in the world and some of the most experienced MS neurologists in the world had never seen cases of both HIV and MS. Now, these days we know that HIV treatments are so effective that people are living um, normal lifespans, their immune function is normal, their HIV is under control. So the question is, why aren't these people who should be getting multiple sclerosis actually getting multiple sclerosis? And it appears we're not seeing and and it appears that most people are not seeing cases of both HIV and multiple sclerosis. What's your ideas to the to the why of that question? Are there any 
clues from basic science? What was the hypothesis that you set this paper on? Well, that's a very important question, and and at this stage, it really isn't known. Um, what what the the world of neurology uh, practices under is that MS is an autoimmune condition. Um, it's really of unknown origin. Uh, we know that there are factors that can influence uh, the prevalence of MS, living in the far northern and southern hemispheres, uh, possibly vitamin D deficiency. Uh, We know that um, exposure to Epstein-Barr virus and smoking and genetic factors all have an influence on multiple sclerosis. But there's also a parallel uh, theory or parallel uh, research which suggests that, in fact, MS and a number of other autoimmune conditions may be caused or triggered by a human endogenous retrovirus. And that's the line of research that I'm uh, following at the moment with Gavin Giovannoni at the Royal London, um, where we're looking at this possibility with a number of collaborators that human endogenous retrovirus may in fact be the cause of MS. Mm. So in this study that you just published in JNMP, how did you construct it? How did you go about the study to to address this question? Well, following publication of this case, um, Danish investigators um, looked at the Danish database, um, which is a very uh, detailed database of both HIV and multiple sclerosis, and they looked at Uh, patients with HIV and try to find whether those patients develop multiple sclerosis. And they suggested in that paper, although the numbers were small, that in fact for some reason uh, people with HIV may be protected uh, or have a lower risk of getting MS, although the statistics clearly didn't uh, support that at the time. Um, We then looked at this work and and our previous clinical experience and approached the uh, Department of Epidemiology at Oxford University, uh, who have access to the really the largest medical database in the world, which is the NHS database. Mm. And the NHS database is wonderful because Every time anybody has a contact with the NHS in the United Kingdom, all 55 million people, um, that data is recorded on a database, of course, kept very confidential, um, but certain investigators have access to it, completely de-identified, and we were able to identify patients with both HIV um, and a reference population from 1999 and followed them through to 2011 to see whether or not any of those patients would develop multiple sclerosis. So how many patients was this? So what we did was we did uh, two things. We enrolled 21,000 patients with HIV who had come into contact with the uh, with the NHS from 1999 to 2008, and we followed up those patients for 153,000 person years to look at their risk of developing multiple sclerosis. We then matched them by age, 
by sex, by area of residence, and by a number of other factors to a reference cohort that was around 5.3 million people who had no risk at that time of developing MS, and we followed them up for 40 million person years. So this was a huge cohort and looked then at the risk or the number of the people in the reference cohort who developed MS and predicted from that the number of people in the HIV cohort who should have developed MS. What we would have predicted from the reference cohort is that around 20 people with HIV should have developed MS. But in fact, what we observed was that only seven developed multiple sclerosis. And this gave us a rate ratio of 0.38 with a confidence interval of 0.15 to 0.79, which was highly statistically significant and indicated that the possible, well, protective effect of having HIV or perhaps taking treatment for HIV was around 60%. Okay, so you've got a, a good strong result from that then. Is this protective effect due to the, the infection itself or is it due, due to the treatment? Did you Were you able to glean any clues about that from the study? Well, not directly because the database that we used didn't have information on treatment um, either for people with multiple sclerosis or for people with HIV. We could only make very indirect um, assumptions here in that our cohort was enrolled after 1999, say around 2000, and really over the last decade, um, most people with HIV who would have come in contact with the healthcare system in the UK with HIV would have been started on HIV treatment mm. because that really is now the, the common practice to suggest that people start on HIV treatment um, as soon as possible. Clearly, a possibility may be that the immune uh, f dysfunction, if you like, caused by HIV may in some way be protecting people from getting multiple sclerosis. But we don't know how this mechanism would work simply because people with HIV who are on treatment, currently we know that their immune function is relatively normal, their viral load is undetectable, and hopefully they will go on to lead um, uh, healthy lives with a, with a predicted lifespan. So the, the bottom line is that, that this study only suggests that there is a very interesting negative association between having HIV and the possibility of developing multiple sclerosis, but it doesn't actually tell us how this works which then really leads us on to the next issue mm. of how can we then find out whether or not HIV itself or treatments for HIV are in fact coincidentally uh, protecting or also treating multiple sclerosis. Yes, that's a very promising indication if we could use HIV treatments to, to treat multiple sclerosis. 
Well, clearly, it's 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 too early to to even uh, suggest that, and and I wouldn't suggest that at all. However, um, through this work we've done and uh, and observations that we've made, we're now doing a clinical trial where we're treating patients with relapsing remitting multiple sclerosis who have active disease, as indicated by active lesions on gadolinium-enhanced MRIs. We're treating those patients with uh, a, a well-known HIV drug called raltegravir, which we've used in literally tens of thousands of patients with HIV and know it to be both effective and also have a very low um, side effect or adverse effect rate. Mm. Fantastic. Well, I do hope you'll be sending the results of that study to, to JNMP when it's done. And Julian, thanks very much for, for coming in and telling us more about it and for, for publishing this paper with JNMP. Thank you very much. It's been my pleasure. <laughs>